welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. Today's Bible reading is from Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25. In the time of Herod king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decreased blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as the priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go to the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripping with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear, it, bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be, a great, will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make, re- to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favour and taken away my disgrace among the people. Amen. Thanks, Sophie. That was a big, long reading, wasn't it? And there's actually more, but I skipped it out. I thought that was enough. So two weeks away from Christmas. How good is that? Who's excited? Everybody's on their pre-Christmas diets, ready for the Christmas day to get after it. Uh, I just want to reiterate what Sophie said about Road to Christmas and how that it really lives into the full intent of who we are as a church. Uh, as we express bringing people to Jesus and being transformed into his passionate disciples. It is why we push it so much. It's one of the the two really big events we do 
in the life of this church, which is Excess Easter Camp and Road to Christmas. And so I encourage you to get fully on board with it, whether it is as part of the cast, whether it's part of the, the build or the pack down or the prayer. Uh, please I encourage the whole of our church to be part of this. And if you are online as well, then I encourage you to at least pray into this uh, that we ask God's protection upon what we do. Let me, uh, let me lead us in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this moment. An opportunity in what is a crazy month to be quiet and careful, to listen for your voice and have you speak to us. Lord, take my very simple prepared words and use them for your glory. May it be your word that we hear above all things. We, we know what we think. We want to know what you think. We know what our world tells us. We want to know the words from you and you alone. So speak to us as a church. Let us hear your voice and feel your heart for this your world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is, it is so good to be part of the Christmas celebrations uh, as our church gathers. It, is, it really is a beautiful time of year. I mean, one that just gives such stress and anxiety. <laughs> comes, comes with a full-blown connection of loneliness and stress and overspending. It, it produces this beautiful, lovely family conflicts and crippling debt, doesn't it? I mean, what else could be better this time of year? Like, truly and honestly, Christmas for many is complex and painful and difficult, isn't it? It's hard. The crazy thing, though, is that we do it again every year. We repeat it, and we don't seem to learn, nor do we expect that we add, if we add the same ingredients, we get the same, exactly the same results. The, the thing that warms my heart when I, when I think about the honesty of Christmas and, and where it truly is for us as a society, it is a human experience that is mirrored at that first Christmas moment. We are not strangers, nor are we orphans in this. And what we find is that God is willing and ready to meet us wherever we are at. And that is good news, isn't it? Isn't that the great news? We have a great God who gives good gifts to us. And so when we read the first Christmas story, it really is like a great movie. Because you don't start with the main character, I'm learning as I'm watching more and more movies. But rather you watch up, you, you have the warm-up narrative where that, that sort of meanders its way through the plot. And over time it, it intersects with the main character and that's fully expanded as you go further into the narrative. And so we start today with the parents of John the Baptist, Zechariah and Elizabeth Water. I've just, entire, I've just taken some liberty and called them Zach and Liz because uh, it's too much to type Zechariah and Elizabeth all the time. Um, and it's, it's, it's really starting, if you, if you read that first part, like, like Sophie read out to us, it's really starting like a really good Christmas movie. But you can see it Marion tonight if you want or you can go to the Kenya fundraiser movie if you want. And like it's, it's really got that sort of sense to it. But the narrative, though, it, it's, it's, don't, be, don't be sort of dissuaded or, or put aside by the narrative. Narrative teaches us so much. It teaches us about life and God. It teaches us about an unseen realm, the, the reality of an unseen realm. It teaches 
us about the way to listen to God and to hear his voice. And that's where I want to lead us into today. And I want to talk to you about different things that that you've never heard from me publicly before. Uh, I'm I'm prompted to do this because over the last few weeks, um, a period of time, several people have spoken to me and had conversation with me about some stuff that that we've never covered as a church. And and I want to respond to that. And so I'm going to preach into some of that today. So so I have three points for the reading for today. The narrative that sees Zach and Liz find out they are pregnant with the future John the Baptist, the one who prepares the way for the coming Messiah, for Jesus, who, as we've sung about, is the saviour of the world. And in this narrative, we find hope and joy. We find a window to how God communicates with humanity and how God uses spiritual beings to convey his will. So, so let me give you my first, my three points straight up and then I'll, then I'll come in and, and pad them out. So here they are, the three points. So did we get these up on the screen? Can we have all three? God will speak to those who choose to put themselves in a place to hear. First point. Secondly, God uses any circumstances to communicate. Thirdly, angels and the supernatural are a part of life. So I want to spend a little bit of time on those first two and then bush fully into the third one. Now, up until this point, like we, if you've, got a, you've, got a, you've all got a modern Bible and you, you turn from the end of the Old Testament and you start at the New Testament with virtually two pages in between. However, there was a 400-year gap of silence. All those generations, silence from God. And into this, we have this beautiful narrative speaking to us. And the silence of God was deafening. And then here's this loud communication to this faithful man, Zechariah. So first point, verse 5. Let me read from verse 5. In the time of King Herod, Herod king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Now, the reason I, I've read that out to you again is to point out the obvious reason that why God speaks to this couple. You can see it for yourself in verse 5. Both of them, it says, were righteous in God's sight, observing the Lord's commands and degree, decrees blamelessly. The, the message translation says it like this. Together they lived... Honourably before God, careful in keeping the ways of the commandments and enjoying a clear conscience before God. Now, I've spoken on this before, but it's a, it's, it's a really simple point that, that I, I find myself remaking to myself over and over again. To hear the voice of God, you need to be ready to hear. In this verse, we get a picture of a husband and a wife who had a deep respect for God and who lived their lives in love for him. And I get the, I get the picture of a couple who, who tread gently and carefully and who constantly seek to involve God in their day-to-day lives. Now, the words used here to describe their relationship with God are, are really loaded words, and we could spend a whole sermon on each one of those particular words, righteous, observing, blameless. But I, but I want to keep this just quite general because they did, they did the smart thing when it comes to hearing from the voice of God. They put themselves into a place 
when God was ready, they could hear his voice. When God was ready to speak, they were ready to hear it. So the application is very simple, if you ask me. If you want to hear God's voice, then find a place where God can speak with no other noise going on. Do what needs to be done to clear the space to make the connection. Too often we don't hear God's voice because we don't make the room. Our life is too full of noise and we don't have a quiet space where God can speak. Many years ago, I was reminded of this during the week, many years ago a man wrote a book called the Practice, Practicing the Presence of God. His name was Brother Lawrence as he came to be known. He was a badly wounded soldier who lived in chronic pain all his life. He joined a monastery midlife after his soldiering career was over where he served, get this, for 15 years as a cook dishwasher. For 15 years in a monastery that had over 100 other men in it. Could you imagine the dishes? Three times a day, 100 other men in there. After 15 years, he was upgraded and his duties were moved to that of the sandal workshop. Quite a step up, really, wasn't it? Now, you would not think that a kitchen or sandal workshop person would lead to a great communion with God, but you would be surprised at the depth of the relationship that he had with Jesus and his wisdom and spirituality. So after, so much so that after his death, his musing, his letters and his conversations with others were collected and turned into what we can now read in Practicing the Presence of God. The bottom line of it is this. The opportunity is there for us to continually commune with God, to not be so caught up with the world, the mundaneness of the world, whatever our world entails, that we forego to nurture the relationship that we can have with God. The challenge is that if a cook, a professional dishwasher, someone who made sandals for a living can twig to this, I think we've all got a chance. Here's my second point. What this passage teaches us is that God uses any circumstances or any place to communicate. And so while the privilege for us is to make the space to hear God, God himself is constantly seeking ways to engage with us. Isn't that good news? Don't you just love that God would want to talk with us and is in in fact attempting to get our attention all the time? It blows my mind to to think that. I I think it's some of the most wonderful news that we could hear. God wants to talk with you. It's, It's not just you seeking God, but God is seeking you. That's the story of Christmas, isn't it? The pursuit of God after his people. He wants to know you and have a relationship with you. It's one of the defining things of Christianity and it is significantly divergent from other forms of religion that we have around the world. Now, some of you, Bright Sparks, will be very quick to point out that this communication happened in the temple. Of course, yes, absolutely it did. And I think it's legitimate that we can expect to find far more connection with God in holy places. That's okay. Some of it is because we are expectant to hear his voice. But over and over again in the scriptures, in the Bible, we see God speaking to people in all sorts of places, in all sorts of locations. In our day and age, it seems increasingly common for God to speak to individuals in the Muslim world through dreams. There's stories of this emerging 
all over the place, particularly dreams where Jesus appears and has a conversation. I'd love it, you know, if if we as a community, as a church, were a little bit more risk-taking and to those we trust and care for, that we would share what we think God is saying to us, to those around us. In, in my own personal journey, journal in the mornings, I, I spend time journaling and I journal the scriptures and then I've got four points I cover and I, I try and work my way every day through those. And, but I've, I've added a fifth one lately. It's, it's a little bit of a, sometimes a little bit kooky, uh, it's a little bit weird um, because it's a fifth one. And what I do is I, I write down what I think the Spirit is whispering to me at the moment. So, so I've entitled the, the, my fifth point in, when I do my little, little notes is whisper. What, what do I think is the Spirit saying to me? And I, and I read back over it sometimes. I'm like, oh, that was a pretty strong curry the night before, really, wasn't it? But every now and again, I hear something from God that is very profound and very helpful and in fact enables my life and enables my leadership here amongst us as a church. As soon as I sit there and I, and I just say, God, speak to me and I, and I write down, I just write down what comes to mind. I do that with fullness of faith, knowing that God is speaking all the time. It's up to me to listen. The, the thing that should give us joy is that even though Luke mentions Herod in, in all this, and it's, it's like this, the song we just sang a moment ago alluded to, the, 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 the text includes Herod, the ruler in Judea at that time. God speaks, do you notice this? God speaks not to the ruling class, but to a simple, arguably poor, pushed aside couple who had no right really in the economy of God, yet God lifts them up and speaks in them and through them and uses them to prepare the way for the Lord. It shows us, as, as Luke's gospel does, it shows us that God chooses the poor and the lowly, the seemingly insignificant, for the venue of his great work for the redemption of all humanity. So not, not only does God use any circumstances to communicate, he communicates with anyone and we should be really encouraged by that. That, that should bolster you. Go, God, God is wanting to communicate to you, even you. Now, I want to turn my sermon here and, and talk about angels and the supernatural. As, as my third point says, angels and the supernatural are a part of life. But before I go to this path, I just want to add there are many, many more things in this passage that we could have focused on. For there is, there is so much in this passage that triggers our thoughts around what has happened in the Old Testament and the culmination of that as we see coming into the New Testament. In particular, uh, the illusions that are, if you know your Old Testament, between Abraham and Sarah and what we see here with, with Zechariah and Elizabeth. It's, it's strikingly, the parallels are, are quite extraordinary. So, so let me talk about angels. And, and, and right off the bat, the presence of an angel should, should alert us to a few things that are going on, should tell us a whole heap. Even before we hear what the angel has to say, the approach of this heavenly messenger, this very opening of the gospel scene, leads us, I think, to a sense of mystery and wonder. Something extraordinary is happening. 
It tells us that this is not an ordinary story and, and we should take significant note at this, within the first few verses of this gospel opening out. These, these are not, this was, the, the presence of an angel was telling us, these are not mundane events. These are things to listen to and take very carefully. Now, notice in the narrative in the temple, having been confronted with an angel, uh, that Zechariah says, well, um, how can this be? I'm old. And the angel has far more of a countenance to that. He says, well, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. So you give me one, I'll, I'll raise you 200. You know, like you, you think you've got something, you've got nothing because I am Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God. Now, I don't, I don't know a, lot, a whole lot about angels and I, I can't say that I've actually ever seen one. But we can quickly discern that the spiritual world is, is the supernatural world is, is freely and openly described in the scriptures. And, and while I accept it as read in the Bible, it's, it's, it's probably poor on me for not making more point of this in, in the last few years. Now, Quickly, we should not be tempted to refer to spiritual things in the Bible as allegories or fables, as our Western world is wont to do. The Bible clearly teaches the presence of both angels and demons and the reality of Satan. For many of us, this is probably true for all of us, we need to open our eyes and our minds for the things that we cannot see. I alluded to this a couple of weeks ago. In this instance, we have the angel Gabriel and we can see verse 19. The angel says to him, I am Gabriel. His response to, I'm old. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Quickly, we understand, of course, that God is using an angel as a messenger. I mean, we see it here. We see it with Mary. We've seen it in the Old Testament, and there's a litany of it in the Old Testament. I mean, Daniel and Abraham in the New Testament. We see it with, with Jesus, of course, and then we, we see it with Peter. Peter gets led out of prison by an angel. In fact, there are many stories in the Scriptures and present-day stories of people who have had experiences with angels. Now, as a counterpoint, we know, sadly, that while good is working, so is evil. And I want to quickly add that all the forces of evil in total, in the fullness of, of all of them, all the forces of evil, in, in, in all arrayed together, are no match for God. You see, God is so big, he has no rivals. And, and God has no enemies. Rather, the forces of evil or demons or Satan are the enemy of the church. That's us, the people of the church. And as we read about angels here in this wonderful story of the conception of John the Baptist, we should be very aware of the work of Satan and his demons in our world. One of the best tricks of Satan is to get us not to believe in his presence and for you to be unaware of what he's up to in our world. You know, I don't, I don't actually think that all bad things happen because of Satan or evil. I think sometimes bad things happen to us because we make bad choices and stupid decisions. However, I have, and I expect to be harassed by evil as I go about God's will for, my, for, for him in this place and in 
my life. And I would expect that the same for every believer who wants to claim Jesus as Lord, that you will be harassed for that. Satan does not want you to thrive in your Christian walk. And many of us need to be far more aware of work of the work of evil in our context as we seek to follow Jesus. I'm not talking about the war in Ukraine. I'm not talking about yet another massacre of innocence, although I fully expect Satan to be involved in these. I'm talking about you and your life and your world and where you presently live. You need to be alert to what is happening in your family and in your church. My friends, through the power of Jesus given to us through his death and resurrection, we have authority over evil and Satan's. Oh, Satan. Ephesians 6 is very clear about this. Uh, you know, I think in the first instance, we should be praying against things like sickness or depression or anxiety or dysphoria or financial struggles or work-related issues or bullings or division or conflict. The, the list, of course, is endless as long as the human condition and, and I wonder if we are too quick to take a non-spiritual option as people of faith before praying about it and seeking God's will. You know, I was talking to a young person the other day who realised that this was happening in their life. If I, me- if I remember correctly, I, some of the details are a little bit foggy. If I remember correctly, they had some anxiety in their life and they had, that had been plaguing them for quite some time through, through the upper part of, of high school. And graciously, they relayed to me that God has led them to a person who spoke to them about the reality of the spiritual world and that there were forces arrayed against them to harm them and to pull them down, to stop them thriving. And they, they then decided to pray against the negative thoughts in their mind and You would not believe it. They gave me the testament that they were free from those negative thoughts and were able to walk into a newness of life. Now, I'm not saying, please don't hear me saying, that all depression, etc., is caused caused by an evil power. I am quick to add, very quick to add, that God has blessed us with medical science. We all, we all use it and we all know the power of medical science. Yet we seem to have abandoned the trust that we can have in the power of the resurrection that is given to us as children of God. And as followers of Jesus, we should go there first before we go anywhere else. Friends, we need to be far more aware than we ever have been in this area and we need to be praying for the covering of God on us on our families, on our workplaces, on our loved ones, on our church, uh, church, and on our pastors. One of the things we need to understand that both angels, demons, and Satan have not always existed. They are part of the created order. All live below God like us. And it's clear from the Bible that angels have moral judgment that they can sin, thus falling from the presence of God as well. The Bible tells us that angels are spirits and, and maybe that's why we don't see them all the time. They just Some people get to see them and, and most of us don't. I suspect that when one of us sees one, when a human sees an angel, it is a special gift from God. That's, that's my suspicion. But I also do know that they join with us in worshipping God. In fact, probably even now, even here. If only 
we had the gift to see. My dad used to tell me that he had a friend that was able from time to time to, to do what he called to see in the spirit. In other words, see what was happening in the supernatural realm all around him. Maybe we should pray for that as a gift too. So let me give you some punchy points about angels as I begin to wind up. Angels remind us. So here's, here's where I'm getting to the crux here. Angels remind us of the reality of the unseen world. And we're going to hear a lot about them in the next few weeks. And we just sort of sing about them, don't we? And we're just sort of angels from the realms of glory and angels doing this and angels doing that. And we don't think much more about them. They are, though, fully involved in the Christmas narrative. They are examples to us. That is to say, they show us how to serve, to love and to worship God. They show us how to be obedient to the will of God. They are clearly seen to carry out God's plans and to do his bidding. They live to glorify God and, they should be, and we should be more aware of them than many of us currently are. We don't worship them. We don't need to fear them. Nor should we need to fear demons. We always remember they are subservient to God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And in his name we have power to command them. And here we go. Angels always Point us to God. That's their role, to give glory to God. My friends, we are blessed to have the effort of God directed towards us. He sent John the Baptist to prepare the way. He sends his angels. He sends his son. He is speaking and acting. Are we looking? Are we listening? Are we too busy to notice? I tell you what, when we get to heaven... And we get to see the scene as described in Revelation 5. It will be overwhelming. Revelation 5, 11 and 12. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. That's Jesus. To receive power and wealth. Wisdom, strength, and honour, and glory, and praise. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for what we can see. We thank you, Lord, for that which we can't see. That you have created a beautiful order. That you have done things that we are yet to understand and to know and to come to terms with. We, we thank you for the blessing of, your, of these ministering spirits who, who come and announce such great news that you have come to us because you want to communicate to us and you want us to know you. We ask that we can hear your voice more and we can perceive your work, physical and spiritual. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.